This episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast is sponsored by Henry's, Canada's greatest camera store and also the largest independent photographic and digital retailer in Canada. Henry's has the best and newest products, award-winning customer service, competitive pricing, and some of the most informed imaging experts in the photography industry. The majority of Henry's employees have been with the company for over a decade, meaning their knowledge and expertise is easily passed on to customers like you, helping improve your overall shopping experience. You can purchase all kinds of gear from cameras and lenses to bags and tripods, gimbals, lighting equipment, and even printers. Whether purchasing online or in-store, Henry's has got you covered. Visit www.henrys.com to place an order or visit your nearest Henry's store to receive the products and services that will satisfy all your needs as a unique creator. I am going climbing today. I am going to start with the V minus, like the rookie I am. VB. You do V minus. Wow, what's the difference? Enlighten me. What's the one below V1? V0. Okay, V0. What do you start with? My gym has VB, beginners. It's pretty much a ladder, though. That's like, okay, I can do this. Okay, okay. Well, I've been falling asleep at night watching YouTube videos of climbing. Mm -hmm. So I've been like, I've never actually bouldered yet, but I've been uh, been doing the visualization same yeah. working the same, uh, I guess, uh, mental processes. It's yeah. not the same as doing it, obviously, but uh, probably better to watch some videos and learn how to um, dismount safely. And yep, yep. You know, so I'm excited. My shoes came yesterday. My black diamonds. How they fit? That's always tricky. So I did a size down. I right. did a half, actually, I did a half size down for my shoe size. I mean, there's so many different opinions. Yeah. Um, I did a nine and a half. I'm a 10 US shoe size. Mm-hmm. So I did nine and a half and they're quite snug. Now, question for you. Um, do you wear socks? I don't. Do you not? I have these really fancy, thin, uh, sweat wicking socks that I use for running because I get bl- bad blisters. So yeah. I might chuck those on and do like an A-B test, see which one I enjoy more. I'm going to go no chalk today. No chalk? Why? Yeah, I'm just going to see how it is. I'm going to destroy my fingers. I'm going to beat them into submission. It's the... Yeah, it's not bad. Are you um? Are you a sweaty person? Like, do you get... Uh, <laughs> do you get um, <laughs> moist, clammy fish hands? Not, not enough that I noticed. I mean, like, maybe. But... Yeah, that's the main thing. Like if your hands get moist at all, you start to slip very easy. So the chalk is really for that. It's not much more for grip. It, your grip's going to be the same, maybe even better if you had dry hands. It's the question on rock, really, is rock can be very slippery. So if your hand's wet at all, or you, we've all been on wet rocks, it's like slick. So that's Let's really we'll the see. chalk's purpose. You don't want you don't get chalk on your shoes. That's slippy. We don't I want guess that. What we'll, I guess we'll see. I guess yep. we'll see. Speaking of climbing, I need to get myself a nice Cotopaxi chalk bag then. That's the real reason I haven't gotten chalk is because I want a nice Cotopaxi bag. That's right. It's the best one I've seen. I have one. And I took a very nice photo of you and Zion Yeah, with yeah. their chalk bag. I don't know what made the photo. You were the bag. That's up for debate. The bag um, or the old bag? <laughs> yeah, which bag? Which bag? <laughs> Uh, but it was, it's really nice. It says, do good on the bottom. And Aaron, as you know, we are now affiliated with Cotopaxi, a brand we really, really love and are aligned with their value principles. Yeah. So 
we wanted to let everyone know uh, because you know a lot of our audience and and people we know are starting are already have already been on the Cotopaxi train or are starting to uh, take a look at their products and really like them. If you're thinking about ordering from Cotopaxi, use our code. Use our code, folks. Gives you 10% off, puts a little bit of affiliate marketing money in our pockets, which supports the show indirectly. So if you're going to order it anyways, use the code TPM10 for 10% off. Um, when you're on the Cotopaxi website at checkout, you can also, if you need a reminder of what that code is, you can go to the highlight section on the Instagram page under affiliates and you'll see the Cotopaxi um, well, Cotopaxi is mentioned in the story, so you can check out their product line if you're unfamiliar with it. And the code is there as a reminder with the link. So just thought we would let everyone know that because they make great stuff. It looks really yeah. good. Even on Aaron. Looks Even good on, on Aaron. Me. Even on me, Mr. No Colors, but I'm switching it up. I'm all Mr. colors no now. Colors. Cotopaxi. Yeah. yeah, that's TPM10, the number one zero. Uh, yeah, 10% off. You know, that's not bad. It counts. I will yes. say I've uh, been in proximity to their bags, their uh, their their carry on bags and backpacks. Mm-hmm. They double as both, and those things are unbelievable in terms of the the little pockets and sections and zippers and this. I was really impressed with that, and uh, I have to get one myself. Yeah, if you're, I guarantee you are impressed with their stuff. Um, if you're someone listening, guarantee it. Come and yell at me if you're not. Aaron, we had a great episode today. We've already recorded it with Carolina Nori. I always get her name confused. Last name confused. Nori. 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 Swedish girl living in South Africa. Very mm. nice chat we had. She's an amazing wildlife photographer. Well, this one had been in the making for a while. I think we planned this one months out because the time zone difference in uh, Central African time uh, didn't line up with you when you were in school as a as a no. counselor. So we did a little AM session this morning, and it went quite well. What, what were your What was your take on the episode before we get in? Summarize. I just think she's a, a one of those glowing personalities. Like she's great to talk to. Uh, what a great accent. Uh, just fun to listen to. Period. And you know, I think her sort of positive outlook with her her life, her relationships, uh, everything was just something that's inspiring and made me feel like, yeah, that's like, that's the mindset you want to be successful mm-hmm. and she is doing it. And I've always been a fan of, I know we both have, but speaking for myself, I've always been a fan of her work and we've been talking for a long time. Uh, and to see her progress, like she mentions in the episode and, and see that growth is it's been really inspiring. So uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I always say that, of course, because we we always do enjoy the episode. But I feel like just everyone, some we like more than others on a personal well, level. Sure, and and everyone gives us like something new that either hits us or reflects with us. And uh, this was a good one. Yeah, it's funny. I threw up in the Instagram story whether listeners prefer episodes with just you and I or if they prefer where we interview the guests. And it's kind of been a mixed bag. At first, it was hot out of the gate where people prefer the guests. Let me tell you, Aaron and I were offended. Offended. That's because <laughs> all the guests were answering. Like, yeah, I want the one with me on it. <laughs> that's why. No, no, no. But also, it wasn't really a fair... Uh, I didn't give enough options because a lot of people also privately wrote and said, I like the mix-up. So... Um, thank you for oh, submitting that little mini survey. We're always mm. trying to make the show better. If you ever have, you know, suggestions of how to make the show better or 
constructive criticism. We're grown men. We invite it. We welcome it. Anything that makes it uh, better for our listener base. And as always, Aaron, if you find our podcasts of value, feel free to donate any amount you feel is equal to the value you receive from our show. The PayPal donate button is in the episode description of every episode. And we'll always do them for free though, won't we? Yeah, we will. We will. All right. Let's get into today's episode then. What do you think? You got more to say? No, not always, but no. Let's get into it. Incredible wildlife photographer and now a podcaster coming to compete with the TPM show. No. And we, we invited guess. we invited the competitor on. I'm just kidding. There's no competition, <laughs> only collaboration. Um, yes, Carolina, you are an extremely talented wildlife photographer. Aaron and I well, hope to you. get out to South Africa, Africa in general. I would imagine. Who Why don't you do like the there? next, the next? What do you call it? The next TPM, TPM uh, retreat. Yes, exactly. In South Africa, in Kruger. going big, just going off continent. How awesome yeah. would that be? Go big or go home. Go big or go game. home. People can't see that Aaron's face is dead serious. <laughs> um, I'm serious. This is happening. It's very serious. That I've never seen his eyes that white. Tell us how a Swede like yourself ended up in South Africa and how you got to where you are today. Uh, hearing everyone's journey is always very interesting and there's lots of relatable um relatable things people can connect with uh, to our guest's journey. So why don't you go ahead? You have the floor. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Do you want the, the long story or the, the short story? Because it's it's a complicated one. Let's go medium. <laughs> a medium, okay. Medium length. <laughs> I'll see if I'll be able to do that. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I basically I went after high school or our equivalent to high school. We don't really have high school in Sweden. But uh, when I finished school, I didn't want to start studying, like going to university right away. So I wanted to do like a gap year, traveling, seeing something new. And I very randomly uh, ended up booking a trip to South Africa. Um, and I was there for two months. Absolutely loved it. Um, I brought my camera with, I had already been doing a little bit of photography, but like not wildlife or anything. And then I borrowed my dad's uh, like telephoto lens so I could take some photos of the wildlife and thought it was so much fun. Like, absolutely fell in love with the nature and the wildlife and like the country in general. And Mm -hmm. I like all I could think about was just to get back to South Africa again, because I just loved it so much. So then that's what I did. I tried to get back to South Africa as much as I could. And uh, eventually I went back and I did a guiding training uh, and I got a visa that made it possible for me to be there for a longer time. And then during that time, I also met my boyfriend. And then since then I've basically been living there. Yeah. I basically say that it's, it's not, it's not like I just up and moved one day. It was more like, mm. okay, now I'm actually 90% of the year I'm in South Africa and 10% I'm in Sweden. So technically I'm living in South Africa. It was kind of more that vibe. What was the big selling point to, to go to South Africa and stay there and make a career out of it? Why, why there? I think the, the lifestyle is just, I don't know, the, like, the lifestyle there is so different from Sweden. Like Sweden is very much a country where everybody does the same thing. Like everybody works the nine to five and you, you're supposed to do this and this and, and, you know, you get a job and you get a stable career and then you get your like children and whatever, like if you follow this path and you do kind of the same thing, um, which can be great hundred percent. Like that's very nice in many ways, but in South Africa, the lifestyle was just so different and it was very like, 
a lot of outdoors, close to nature, like the appreciation for wildlife was amazing by the people in the, it also depends on what area you're, you're in, but in the area where I was, it was because it's close to Kruger National Park, a lot of people were very passionate about wildlife and and that really like drew me in to, to see that, okay, but life can look differently. Like you don't have to just commit to one career and then that's what you're doing for the next like 50 years of your life. Mm-hmm. You can, you can live a, you can live a different kind of lifestyle. And that's what really like, um, got to me. Interesting. So you say that it's typical in Sweden to, you know, kind of have the template for your life. You know, that's, that's pretty standard. What is your, what do your family and friends think about your off the beaten path decision? Um, I think they, they're very supportive. Uh, I don't know what they say behind my back, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're like, oh, she's crazy. What, what is she doing? She's wasting her life. No, I don't think so. Because when I talk to them, they're all very supportive and they're very like, um, I think they know, know me as well that I'm not, I'm definitely the kind of, the kind of person that needs change constantly. And otherwise I, I get bored and, and I get like, yeah. So they mm-hmm. know that I'm definitely this kind of lifestyle suits me because otherwise I get bored doing the same thing over and over again. So I don't think they're surprised, um, mm-hmm. but they're very supportive. And uh, like, honestly, especially like my parents are my biggest supporters and they, they That's really, huge. you know, it's really huge. And I'm so thankful for that, that ever since I decided to to go to South Africa to where I am today and, and pursuing the career I'm pursuing and so on, they, they just supported all the way through and saying like, we always here for you and you know, we want to, we want you to be happy and whatever makes you happy. We want to support that. So that's really, really cool. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of people, I think maybe not a lot, but there is a select uh, group of people who don't have that support from family, Absolutely. which would be horrible. I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, I don't really have any advice if you're one of those people listening <laughs> other than that uh, I'm empathetic and, do what makes you happy at the end of the day. But having supportive friends and family is so huge. Like when I'm journaling and doing, you know, gratitude things that shows up in my, my writings almost weekly is that I'm so thankful for supportive family and friends. So it's another argument to surround yourself with people like that as well. Right. So it's so important. It makes the world of a difference. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think it's tough. And in terms of advice, like, yeah, yeah, everyone has their story, like the story in Sweden, the story of like you go to school, you get a career, you work you know, typical hours, you try to have a family, those things. Like, that's the story. That's the comfort zone. Uh, and it's mm. hard to break that for people. Uh, you can see that in religion a lot. You can see it in uh, just, you know, cultural sort of ways. Like everyone has their story. So it, it can be can be offensive to people if you kind of go against that grain, what their beliefs are. Essentially, you're saying like your beliefs don't really apply to It's me. threatening, right? Yeah, yeah. It's threatening their own can beliefs. Be. Can be. So, and it goes <clears throat> back to like tribal behavior. Like, you know, we all have to be kind of on the same page. An outlier is going to cause problems for our tribe, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's, it's back to that whole survival thing. But I think if people love each other deep down, you can kind of get through that and recognize like, all right, her story is not my story and that's okay. It's as hard as it is. I'm going to support, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's, it's so difficult. Uh, I think sometimes people also get jealous and they, you know, they mm. kind of see you go off and you living this different life and they probably don't dare to do the same thing, but they maybe would have wanted to. And then they can like, 
project that on you and, and make you feel bad for doing what you're doing while they're actually just jealous of, of you doing something that you're passionate about and they mm. are going to a job that they maybe don't like or whatever it is. And that also, I think that also plays into it. So I, I think I'm very lucky because I definitely have friends who, who have done kind of similar journey to what I have moving to South Africa and so on from different countries uh, and who don't have parents that support that decision and mm. that are there for them. And it's, it, I think it's really tough. That would be yeah, very I think hard. That's my argument with Photoshop sometimes when people are like, you know, wildlife photography, you should have no editing. My <laughs> my part of my argument is that Photoshop's intimidating. And as much as they'd like to learn it or be able to edit in a certain way, they're like, no, no Photoshop. You shouldn't be able to do that. It's because they just haven't taken the time to learn those skills. So it's easier to be like, screw that, screw that noise. Like we're not, we're not doing it that way. So it's kind of the same thing to tie it into photography. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So speaking of wildlife photography, how did wildlife photography join the the party in South Africa for you? How did that become part of your day-to-day life? Um, Was it from the very first time you got there? You mentioned you brought a telephoto lens. Mm. Was that just for for fun at the very beginning? And how has that evolved into, you know, where you're at now? It was definitely just for fun in the beginning, just to kind of like document my my trip. You know, it's a once in a lifetime thing going to South Africa. And we, um, what I was doing there was I was uh, volunteering at a horse safari um, place. Uh, So we were basically at the stables during the days. And then in the mornings or the afternoons, we were going on game drive. So for those who don't know, that's like a safari um, where you go out for a few hours and you look for animals, essentially. And Mm -hmm. we were living in the bush. So you literally had giraffes walking past your house. We had buffaloes in the garden sometimes. Like it was, it's, it's crazy. It's mind blowing. And having all those animals around you and seeing them every day, I was, you know, I got almost obsessed with trying to capture that and, you know, remembering how amazing it is to be there. And in the beginning, it was definitely just for fun and like um, just documenting the trip and so on. And then I think I just posted like an album on Facebook or something. And my parents obviously got super proud and they mm-hmm. printed out photos and made like a little book, you know, like parents do. And they were like, oh, this is amazing and so on. Um, but I definitely got hooked on the whole capturing wildlife and and trying to capture the feeling of seeing wildlife and so on. I got hooked on that, on the, trying to do that. And uh, I eventually a bit later got my own telephoto lens for my birthday and then when I then eventually moved to South Africa and uh, we were working at the lodges we were also living in in the park working at the lodges and you could sometimes I would always have my camera with me in the car when I was driving back and forth to work because you never know what you see on mm-hmm. the way to work even if it's like a five minute drive mm-hmm. I have seen I've seen leopards on my way to work like it's it's amazing and you never know what you might find. I know you guys also talk about mm-hmm. like always have your camera yes. ready in your car because you never know what happens. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely agree with that. And I, I did the same thing. And then I think it kind of grew more and more of, of just really enjoying capturing the wildlife and so on. Uh, but it was still my kind of for fun. And then my friend convinced me to start an Instagram. And I thought it was such a cringe thing to do. Yeah, uh, because like <laughs> everyone has, an, has a wildlife Instagram and everyone calls themselves a wildlife photographer. So like, I remember my first like posts and stuff. I was like, kept like the captions were so ironic. And I was like, guess what animal this is? Like a photo of a lion or something. And um, (laughs) I was like, I need to do this ironically because otherwise it's cringe. You need to be a smart ass or it's not cool. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But then 
um then I kind of started enjoying it and it was kind of cool to be like it became a place to put my photos somewhere and actually kind of um you know motivating me to to get better and so on and then I started following so many other photographers like wildlife photographers on that Instagram because I was like okay but this is my wildlife so I'm just going to follow other wildlife photographers and I got so inspired and really started seeing like good photographers on social media and got so inspired and I was like oh wow I want to try take a photo like that and this looks amazing and this is so cool and you know and that really inspired me and motivated me to to keep growing and then I think I really like dove into it properly during lockdown Mm -hmm. when we didn't we didn't have guests at the lodge and we weren't working so I decided to study photography online and do a course in it and I also really invested a lot of time in my social media and so on. And that's when it really started growing. And I think I can see myself looking back at, at it now, I can see a huge difference between my photography before lockdown and after, because I think I invested a lot of time in growing as a photographer and in editing as well. I spent a lot of time editing during lockdown. And I think that really made a huge difference to my photography before and before and after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you first started your Instagram, you said you found a whole bunch of other wildlife photographers that motivated you to want to get better and get to that level. A lot of people who um, you know are new to a genre of photography or new to photography in general or new to social media, they, they start a page or they find some other pages that are mind-blowing out of this world and they crumble. They think, oh, I'll never, don't, I'll never get to that. Wow, this person's so much better than me. And so forth. Whereas... You said that's amazing. I'd like to be like that, and it puts you in gear to, to to up your game. Why do you think? What do you think the difference is between those two things? Is it just your character, or why are you, for example, do you think motivated by that, and other people might feel insecure or want to stop or quit just at the sign of that? And what would your advice be? It's a really good question. Uh, Definitely is. I think exactly like you said, I think a lot of people almost, it becomes like the, um, what do you call it? Like the ladder is too, is too long and it's too difficult to get over this like hump or whatever, because you're like, Oh my word, they are so amazing. Like how do I even get there? Um, and I think, Mm -hmm. and I don't really know what my advice would be, but I probably maybe try to follow people who aren't like, what's his name? Shaz Young, you know, like he, he is a like Nat Geo photographer. He's definitely a person I'd look up to and super motivated by, but he is also like the top of the top, you know, and the same right. with like a lot of like Nat Geo photographers in, in general, like those who have like too many followers, don't, don't follow them. You can follow them too, but you know, like don't mm-hmm. look at that as your, this is the, this is my goal. And this is where I'm going to try to get to, because that is too far. Or this is where I should be, especially if you've just started. Exactly, exactly. Like, I think for me, I started following a lot of people who were kind of around the same, uh, like, what do you call it? Like, same level as myself. And it's Right, which is subjective. That's your judgment, right? Exactly. Like, it it kind of depends. But a lot of, like, smaller accounts or people who who are just doing it as a hobby and, you know, uh, that, you know, like, also maybe have just started or have been doing it for maybe... A year or two while I don't even do like you know they they maybe have a few things that I can learn from but at the same time they're not like incredibly mm-hmm. out there and like to what do you call it like out of reach almost yeah um, unattainable 
Exactly. And I think, I think that's a really cool thing to be following people. I feel like there's so many people on Instagram that I've been following and they've been following me from the very start and you've seen each other grow and you've like, Mm -hmm. like commented on each other's stuff and you keep on seeing each other's stuff and you talk and you like, like me and Aaron, we like, we become friends on, on Instagram because Mm -hmm. we like comment on each other's stuff. And then I've gotten to know both of you guys and whatever, because you, Mm -hmm. you create that connection with people on Instagram. And, and that's because you like, and that's with so many people on Instagram, I feel like I've been following them from the very like start and, yeah. And it's been people that feel like they, this, like not just as photographers, but people who are just like me. It's not like famous people or, you know, it's, it's people who are just like myself, passionate for about wildlife and, and nature and want to share mm-hmm. that with the world kind of thing. And then you learn from each other and you inspire each other in that way. Does that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a follow-up. Um, are you saying that Seth and I are not as good as Shaz Young? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like you yeah. like to follow <laughs> like this face. It's it's more comfortable for you to follow like worse photographers like us. <laughs> <laughs> is that what I'm getting from this? I, I love Aaron's, to answer I that love question. Aaron's, <laughs> I love Aaron's humor. Catches people off guard if you don't yeah, know. Yeah, really Um I, yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I say it all the time. Um I like to use, I, I'm, I'm repeating myself again. I'm aware I repeat myself. It's my disclaimer every time. Um, but I like the idea if you were climbing Mount Everest, I'm not trying to get advice from the guy at the summit or the girl at the summit. I'm trying to get advice from the person who's at the next stage ahead of me, if that mm. makes sense. So I'm always, I, I want to look one step ahead rather than 40. Mm. Absolutely. Like, there's one person as an example. I don't know if you guys follow Danny Connor Wild. Um, she actually is English, but she was in Sweden during lockdown and whatever. And she her account really blew up and and she did really really well during lockdown because she was photographing these squirrels in her garden and it became like a big uh, oh not in the garden in the forest around uh, and whatever in in Sweden. And she was one of those people that really inspired me. That I felt like okay, she's the step above me. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and now she's gone really far and like, I'm really impressed by the journey she's made, but I was, I was following her when maybe she had like maybe 10, 15,000 followers. And then her account blew up because there was a video that went viral on Twitter, on Twitter. And she had, now she has like, I think overnight she gained like 50,000 followers or something. And as a photographer as well, she's grown a lot. And, and I was like in the journey of pursuing wildlife photography as a career, I felt like she was also just starting out of doing it full time and pursuing it full time as a career and using her Instagram and social media in that way. And it was just really inspiring to see that happening and like, and how she did that and in her journey. And it was really exactly like you say, it felt like she was one, one or two steps above me or whatever, but that was really inspiring to, to be following a person like that and, Mm -hmm. and seeing kind of like, okay, she, she was also where I was, where yeah. I am now. Like you could, you know, with someone like Shaz Young, you're like, okay, he was where I am maybe 10 years ago. But with her, I could see, okay, if, like two years ago, she's where I, I am. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so much more motivating because then you, you can kind of, it's more reachable, you know? Yeah, you can, you can connect the dots, you know? You can say like, uh, this makes sense versus, you know, trying to, you're beating yourself up if you're looking at, Shaz Young, we keep saying him. He owes us money at this point. 
you know, we're, we're really plugging <laughs> exactly. his name. Uh, but let's, let's look at music. Uh, you know, another South African, Dave Matthews. Um, mm. If I'm trying to play guitar and I want to get to a local bar, if I'm looking at what he's doing and trying to emulate that, like it, there's, there's too much gap in between all the work he did and, you know, moving to America and playing at bars in Virginia and uh, meeting his bandmates, like all that stuff I'm missing if I'm just looking at like the end product. So looking local and seeing, you know, someone that's playing at a bar and they're good and and connecting with them, you know, they're not famous yet, but they're doing what I want to be doing. That's like the next step. I think that is a, a very good and healthy approach and keeps you motivated to move to the next step. Um, even in learning stuff, like if we're learning math and we're at addition and we're trying to, we open up a calculus book, we're going to get very discouraged you know, very quickly, mm. we're going to be like, this is impossible. Like I, I cannot, I cannot do this. But if we go to subtraction, that makes sense because of our addition. And then we figure out multiplication and so on and so forth. Uh, it keeps us motivated as we make these steps and see progress. And I think that's something you mentioned, seeing progress in yourself and in your peers and keeping that comparison sort of level-headed is uh, definitely motivating. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, good follow up then. I'll ask you this. How do you measure your progress? Is it a subjective thing? Do you go by audience size? Do you go by a bunch of different metrics? How do you measure your own personal pro- uh, progress in your wildlife photography career or, or life or what have you? Um, yeah, that's a really good question again. Um, I'm not sure. Hopefully we're not blindsiding you with these. <laughs> no, but, no, uh, no, they're good. <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. They fun yeah, questions, yeah. and it's. Yeah. I love how it's like. It's obviously photographer mindset. So yeah, Correct. it's cool. Example, like questions, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I think you guys talk a lot about like how social media can get to you and like the numbers on social media and and how that can get to you and that definitely gets to me sometimes as well. Uh, and so I used to look at that so much, and that used to be like how I measure, you know how many likes do I get on this and how many views do I get on this and how much have I grown and this and this. Um, and I still, it still gets to me hundred percent. Like I think it mm-hmm. does to everyone who's on social media. Um, but I think I'm trying to like teach myself and I'm trying to more and more have the mindset of my, my, like the progress I'm doing and, and my, the success is rather that right now I'm actually, I'm actually working with photography and, working for myself and, you know, uh, doing what I love and that social media has helped me get there, but it's also, there's a lot of things outside of social media that, that, um, doesn't really matter if I get a thousand likes on this, on this photo. And, uh, because in, in the end of the day, that doesn't allow me to live the life that I want. And I think looking from, you know, a year ago, I was still working at the lodge and uh, I was working full time there. And, you know, I was doing my social media on the side, which definitely was helping me get to where I am today. But today I'm actually working full time with this and this is my job and I'm, I'm my own boss. And, you know, that is a completely, that's such an, a major success for me that I was able to do that. And I'm mm-hmm. still in the process of making that work and making that happen because it's doesn't just, you can't just, Oh, I've made it. I've done this now. It's, <laughs> it's a constant thing, but that is definitely the success for me. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. And I, I think the, um, it's just a beautiful point. And I had this sort of thought actually in the shower. So we're going to have a shower thought. <laughs> shower thoughts. I need to make a jingle. 
Shower thoughts. Uh, I had this thought. It's two part. Number one, you you nailed this. Success comes in a thousand different ways, a million different ways. And if you're looking at social media and the numbers, what what does that really mean in terms of success? Not much. And then I had this secondary thought, and I was talking to a friend about it. And like, where do you mention like cringe accounts or like cringe posts and those sorts of things? Like, don't they have a friend that's saying like, hey, you should stop. Like, you, this is not good. And I said, no. I said, that's exactly, the, I said, that's exactly the problem with social media. So if a thousand people see your post and a hundred say like, you go, like, that's great, great photo. There might be 900 behind the scenes that are going like, this is not good. This is like technically bad. This is garbage. Unfollow. Like you don't see any of that conversation. So it doesn't matter if you have a million likes on a photo, there's probably another million that absolutely hated it, but you don't get that sort of feedback. It's all positive every once in a while. And we all know if someone like critiques a photo that we put on, it's very rare, but in the comments, we, that like goes like a knife, like, oh my God, someone said they didn't love this photo or they liked the raw better than the edited version. Like, holy crap. Like that hurt, that sticks so much more than all, because we're so used to everyone just being like, that's amazing. Great photo. That's so amazing. You're amazing. Like that gets old. So the thought happened was like, it shouldn't be likes. It really should be like actual things. Like, did you sell a print or are, mm. are people going on trips with you? Or are you guiding people? Are you increasing? Are you turning this into a profession? Are you becoming like a photographer in actuality versus if you're not doing any of that other stuff and you're just getting millions of likes, like it really equates to nothing, you know? It's so, so funny. I, I love like, that point. Yeah. You, you guys talk about that quite a lot. And I really, I really like that, uh, how you know, rather than just spending three hours on social media trying to like grow your account to a certain like amount of followers, maybe email different companies that you can work with. Like you guys have spoken about that before. And I think that's really, really good because I know people who have like 200,000 followers who, who are not doing this full time and who are struggling to like sell stuff or whatever, or like um, they have millions of people on, on like followers on TikTok or, or, or Instagram or whatever, but this is not their full-time job because that like people see the social media thing and they think that, oh, you get 2 million followers. And just like that, you're going to like make millions every month from social media, but that's not how it works. It, it's exactly like you say, it's not about how many followers you have or how many likes or whatever it is. It's about how many people are actually invested in you and want to go on trips with you and want to work with you or want to buy your prints or want to buy whatever. Like that's what actually shows that you're doing a good job. And, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to focus on. What, what is actually mm -hmm. bringing me closer to, to the life that I want to live and, and being able to do this as, as a job. That's the success. And I, I find that the more success you have in that element of the world, the less time you care or put into the social media because that's filling your time with actual substance. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I have a, we have a cabin gig, so we're not, we're not, you know, posting and editing our, our wildlife stuff. Cause we're actually doing work, you know? So that takes kind of a backseat to the real stuff. So uh, I, I've said it often, my good friend, Adam, who's a photographer in Connecticut, um, and gets these incredible paid gigs for, for products. I mean, he's got 700 followers on Instagram. Like, it's just not his concern, right? Because mm. 
he doesn't have to he doesn't have to fill that basket with uh, let's call it fluff. He's actually doing the thing, you know. Mm. Absolutely, uh, it's just interesting. Absolutely. So, you mentioned you were working at uh, the lodge before. What are you doing now in more detail? Let everyone know what your transition has been to being your own boss and running your own business. Uh, well, yeah, that's something I'm just still trying to figure out how to like explain to people because now that I'm back in Sweden and you know meeting people and old friends or whatever, and then they're like, "So what are you doing now?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm a photographer." And they're like, "What does that mean?" And I'm like, "Oh, how do I explain this?" Um, but basically, if someone asked me, "Okay, what's a normal day to day for you?" and I was like, "Oh, that's impossible to, to yeah. tell you." Um, but basically, obviously, I have, I have my website where I sell my prints and so on. Um, so that's definitely connected to my, my Instagram and my photography. Um, and that's been the biggest blessing ever. Uh, and I'm so happy that I started that because that's definitely what, what got me to, to actually be able to leave my, my permanent job. Um, and there also, I also sell my, my ebook and presets and those kind of digital products, uh, which also been amazing and, and been so much fun and getting great feedback from that. Um, but then we also, me and my boyfriend also have a safari company together. So we help people plan their safaris uh, mm-hmm. in South Africa specifically, but, but also like we have contacts in Tanzania and so on, where we can also help people plan their safaris there. And we actually, now that we've been in Sweden, we've been looking at maybe we should actually help people plan stuff in Sweden because that people also want to go to Sweden. So we, we're looking at those kind of things. Um, so as a, to like, I don't know, explain it simple. We basically, I have my, my photography part and then, uh, my boyfriend, Craig, he's the one who's definitely more focused on the Safari company right now, but it is our company together. And through that, we also guide and, and host people in South Africa. And then I'm, I'm part of that as well. So it's both those things. Awesome. So you set me up great for one of my questions. This is something we've never really asked on the show. And how is it mixing <clears throat> how is it mixing work with your significant other? You know, some would argue you need space apart or you, have, you should have different individual hobbies and interests. Others would argue that that's a dream come true. What are your thoughts, you know? always you know working with your with your boyfriend um because you're essentially you know most a lot of people they have their they go to work separately come home spend time together where it's it sounds more like you're involved in each other's waking life from the start to the end of the day most mostly uh what's your experience been with uh you know running a business with your with your partner has it been great yeah, so I think um, it's it's a really good question. I think we have actually spoken about making maybe like a full podcast episode on this because we have definitely. I think we are a very um, different kind of couple than a lot of people. Or like our relationship have looked very differently than than most couples um, because we started working together at the lodge already. So mm. we moved in together when we'd been dating for like two months. So like that's very wow. early. Yeah. And we started working together at that point. And then I went back to Sweden for three months. So we had long distance. So we've experienced both long distance and like living together. So we've definitely experienced the extremes, but we haven't experienced that normal, like, oh, I'm going to work now for my eight, nine to five and then I'll see you tonight. We have, we've never experienced that like normal kind of lifestyle as a couple, right. which um, I think for us, we are extremely lucky that that works 
because I think there's two things that really play into that. It's one that both of our goals actually align and that what Craig wants to do with his life and, and that he also wanted to start this safari company. And that's something he, he'd been thinking about even before we met and so on. And, and then that that works together with me wanting to focus on our photography and then like that, and that I even wanted to live in South Africa, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that really just aligns. And I think we're very lucky that way that that works together. But I think also because we've been working at the lodges for, for since the start of our, our relationship, we've been working together. Yeah. That has helped us trust transition into actually having a business together and working together. We definitely work closer now than we did at the lodges, but it helps us transition into that. Yeah. But I do, it can be difficult uh, some days. <laughs> I need Sorry, to be Craig. honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry, <laughs> but he will agree. He will agree. Like, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> but I He's think- like, these two assholes, come on here. <laughs> I like how Seth said, uh, <laughs> I, he like answered the question with the question. So he's like, I'm sure, so working with your boyfriend, it's great. And you had the beautiful opportunity to just be like, well, well, no, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't answer yet. Let me finish. No, no, no. We, we kid Craig, we quit. But can I say that the, there's something, so I got to, I got to tease this out. I got to unpack this mindset because there's people in relationships and relationships with anything, your photography, your lifestyle, your activity level, your diet, your your, um, your business, your career that, and we talk about this a lot, look at like what could go wrong. You know, what are the obstacles that could go wrong and maybe I should protect myself from this sort of failure or this sort of like hurt. I'm not going to go for it. And you mentioned long distance. I mean, Sweden to South Africa, you mentioned working together, uh, spending a lot of time together. And I can tell by your tone, your both of your mindsets are probably more of like, what could this be? Like, what, how can we get through this? Like, how can we, let's just work positively towards this. We both have the same goals. Like, let's figure it out versus... Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna be back in Sweden. Is that like that'll be tough? It's gonna be really hard on like we don't have a long distance phone plan. Like you could make up a thousand reasons why things won't work out and and run from them so you don't have to go through the pain or kind of say like no, this could also be great. This could also possibly be wonderful. So let's like let's go for it. Let's let's look at those obstacles and attack them. Absolutely, I think that's I think a that's- nice way to look. Yeah, definitely. I think you put it so well. Like it's rather look at the positive outcomes than what might go wrong. Because if you focus on what might go wrong, that's going to go wrong. You know, that's going to happen if you focus on that, but focus on, okay, what might be, is that, is that worth, like, what is the best possible thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. And if that is amazing enough for you to risk those things that might go wrong, then focus on that and you just go for it. Yeah. It's a classic, classic risk versus reward. Just just imagine like you at the airport going to Sweden and the mindset of like, this is going to be fine. Like we're going to talk all the time. We'll, we'll FaceTime. Like I'll see you in three months. Like whatever it is, like that mindset versus like, this is going to be so hard. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, it's not going to work. If like, that's the mindset of either partner, I think it'd be like, ugh, like this is, this is already doomed in a sense. Like it's going to, it's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to be whiny. You know, it's not going to feel good. It's not going to have a good energy. So I think, you know, that's great. And I think you're probably taking that into your business as well. And that's a wonderful mindset. 
Oh, thank yeah. you. We are trying. <laughs> and yeah. it's, wor- it's working so far. So <laughs> we job, haven't Greg. broken up yet. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing it's great. The, uh, like what Carolina said, uh, it's whatever you focus on, you're going to attract. Like the first thing they tell you when you're in a skid in a car is you look where you want to go. If you look at the wall, you're going to drive straight into it. I'm a firm mm-hmm. believer in that. So you look where you want to go. I think another thing you said that pertain- pertains to everything is goal alignment, right? With your partner, you want to have the same goals. You want to be aligned, parallel, heading the same direction. With a company you're working with, you want to be, you know, have goal alignment. Um, you can even argue with wildlife photography with the animal, you want to have goal alignment. I don't want to disturb you. You don't want to disturb me. I'll do my thing. You do your thing. Goal alignment is so important. And I feel like when things go wrong in anything, it's when you have your wires crossed and you're not look, you're not heading in the same direction. You don't have the same intentions. You don't have the same desired outcomes. So that's a, that's a really interesting thing you, uh, you, you touched on. Um, so let's get into, um, you mentioned the wildlife photography PDF book that you made. Yes. <laughs> I've read it. It's very good. Oh, thank I'm so glad for, to hear. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to read it. I would highly it's recommend it. Um, I would say it's tailored definitely at people who are starting out. But even myself, I learned a lot of stuff, um, focused on a lot of tech stuff, um, settings and and things like that, and animal behavior, which was really good. I highly recommend it. You have lots of great reviews on it. Uh, Tell us about the book, how, what inspired you to create it, you know, the why behind it, um, what's in between the pages and, and where people can find it. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm so glad you, that you like it. Uh, that's yeah. really awesome to hear. Um, yeah, I think what's inspired me to write it is that, you know, Instagram, obviously, and, and like getting a more bigger following and getting people, um, you know, to contact me. There was a lot of people that contacted me on Instagram and asking like, hey, what's your best tip for like a newcomer to wildlife photography? Like someone who's just starting out, a beginner. Uh, and I'm like, okay, where do you, where do you want me to start? Like, there's just so many things to say. And I think, um, that also like plays into what, why we started our podcast, because there's just so much to say that you, I rather want, want to have somewhere to send people and like, tell them, okay, go check this out. And that that will also answer all your questions. Um, and then I, I just, I just started like literally started writing, like putting down my ideas and I realized, um, I think there was actually a, a another person I follow on Instagram that had she had written an ebook on uh, content creation and stuff. So more like a like how do you become an influencer kind of thing. Uh, but I realized I was like that is so clever to have an ebook of answering these like questions and that people why people come to your to you for advice. I was yeah. like that is amazing. Um, so I was like let me I haven't I hadn't seen someone doing one for wildlife photography. So I was like let me do one. Um, and I'll just, you know, see how it goes. And I just started writing and, and realized uh, how great it was to put down everything on paper and like putting all the photos together it was so much fun. Uh, really like explaining how everything works and putting it on paper. And, and I also really wanted to do it in a way where it was like basically as if I sit next to you explaining all these things. I didn't want it to be like you know, here's the tech things like ABC. I wanted to explain like, okay, from a wildlife photography point of view, this is what I recommend. This is what I use. This is what's important to focus on. This is what's important to learn. This is what doesn't really matter. Like, you know, it's very much my opinion uh, with a lot of things. So 
Um, even though I also go through a lot of like technical stuff of how a camera works and all that, because I think it's important to know, there's mm. also a lot of like me explaining how do I use my camera and what settings do I use and how do I recommend mm. a, like a beginner to start doing that kind of stuff and what to think about. Um, and yeah, you know, that's kind of why I, why I wrote it and it's been such a success and I've, I'm so happy with amazing feedback that I've gotten from it and, and I'm actually so keen to write another one because nice. it's been so great. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking about writing one for like editing, but I think editing is more difficult to explain on text. So I don't know. I'm working on it. <laughs> do like uh, do an advanced or intermediate book as well, where it's like more of the nuances and little intricate details. Yeah. So I'm thinking about that too. Yeah. Um, but I think imposter syndrome is, is stopping me from that because I'm like, oh, am oh. I really good enough from, to do that? Aaron. You know? <laughs> Aaron, hop in. Yeah, I mean, that hits us all. Sometimes on this podcast, even I'm like, "Why the fuck am I doing this?" <laughs> like, no one wants because you get to, to look at me every week. And no, it's great. That part's Aww. great. But <laughs> I'm just, I'm just relating. I'm just relating. Like sometimes, my after hearing it back, I'm like, "Who am I to say anything?" But um, so I hear you. But listen, like. I mean, that's the thing. You're, you you have this. You have a gift. You have some sort of gift. You share it, and people. If I say, if one person gets something from it, it was worth it. You know, one person. You know, there's the old saying: if you you save a save a man's life, you've saved the world. You know, that is uh, so true. You know, like you, <clears throat> if you if you make a difference with one person, they might make a difference to. 2 million. They might be the next, you know, and that stems back to you. So you got to do what you love, uh, share your passion and yeah, you, you, you're here to do that. That's all. Poster syndrome is funny. I mean, maybe I look at it a bit differently, but the second somebody bought my book, I would put author in my bio. <laughs> like not even ego, not even an ego thing. Just, I did write a book and somebody bought it. I said this before. I mean, I, the yeah. first, I took a picture of a chipmunk and I posted online. I'm like, I'm a wildlife photographer. <laughs> that's, that's manifesting <laughs> it. Like fake it until you make it. Like, honestly, yeah. honestly. I mean, you can fake it till you make it with integrity. I mean, I took a photo of wildlife with my camera. So I'm a wildlife yeah. photographer. Deal with it. Um, yeah. How long did it take you to write this book? And follow-up question. How did you land on price? Um, how did you decide on the price? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think it took me, so from the start, like it's difficult to say because I was still working at the lodge when I started writing and just writing it all down. Um, and then I was doing it like kind of on the side while I was there. Whenever I had some some time, I would, I would start to continue writing. But then I think mm-hmm. once we left, that was kind of my big focus. Uh, to, I wanted to get that down and get, get that out there because one, I was super excited about it. And two, it's a really good passive income thing to have that on the website and really good to just be able to send people a link and be like, Hey, here's your, all your answers, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we left in end of January and then I launched it in end of March, I think. Uh, so about two months, um, like full on writing and, and like, then it obviously like had people helping me double check spelling and all that kind of stuff. So that also took time, but, and then putting all the pictures and stuff that took almost more time than actually writing it and mm-hmm. um, making sure the layout was good and like explaining. And I drew my own little pictures and, you know, explaining how a camera works and all of that. Um, and then when it came to price, um, 
it was it was difficult. I was looking at what other people, like I said, I knew people who had done ebooks with other stuff, and I was looking at that and um, what they cost. And then uh, I also had my presets already, uh, and they had a price. I was also kind of just looking at what other people had put prices on their pre- on their presets and kind of like how many presets there were and so on. Because um, some people have the same price as, as I have on my presets, but then there's like two presets and then I have, I think I have 14 in mine. So um, it kind of, you know, have to weigh that back and forth. And then obviously it's also like taxes and all of that kind of stuff. And I also wanted to be able to have a price where I could have like big sales uh, and be able to like send people, you know, a discount code or something where it's still not like I still get profit from it, if you know what I mean. Um, so that was a big part of, of what I was, what price I was putting right. at as well. Well, the nice part about an ebook or a digital book is there's no overhead costs. You're not shipping. You're not having to pay for material. Mm-hmm. All it costs is essentially your time to make it. And then anything after that is profit. Uh, yeah. Same with presets, right? So exactly. digital is a great way to go. Yeah, that and like keeping the shop open, like the website and I have mm-hmm. it on Shopify. So like obviously pay... Uh, pay them monthly and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but as you say, like the actual physical or physical, cause it's not physical, the digital book, that's the great thing that it, there's, there's not a lot of, um, costs doing like actually making that, which is great. No, not at all. Just your time and any advertising or promo. Mm. Um, I hope you got a release form from the lion that's on the cover of the front. He's going to be asking for some money soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Did you print out a hard copy for yourself just as like a keepsake? Yeah. So my parents printed one out just basically on their normal printer. But then Craig's mom, uh, she got so excited and she got one like made as like a hardcover, uh, which looked really, really good. And I actually posted it on social media and then people were like, oh, can can I get it in hardcover and so on? So I was looking at maybe creating one in hardcover and selling it and so on. But it's from... When I was looking at it, the unfortunate thing with a hardcover is that then you're talking about shipping and the cost of printing and all that kind of stuff. And it was just going to be way too expensive for it to be worth it. Like I was going to have to, it was going to, it would have to cost at least like a hundred dollars for the book, which I felt isn't really worth it. Uh, mm-hmm. So then I felt like it's it's going to have to be too expensive for me to even make any profit from it, uh, that it's not going to, it's not going to be worth it. So I think I'm just going to keep it as a digital you can make some like a limited amount, like, you know, five, 10, 20 copies, sign them, write a nice note and, you know, special edition if people, if there's enough interest, I guess. True. Know, that's guess not a bad that's, idea. That's the way. See, look at us. Seth. <laughs> business, business minds. Uh, I have a question. I have a fun question. All right. So okay, you're, okay. you're back and forth from mostly South Africa, but you're, you're in Sweden now. And I was looking up like what's Sweden known for? So out of these 10 things, oh. I want to see what you miss the most when you're not at home. Okay. Or okay. not at your birth home. Yeah. Sweden. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. The band ABBA. Well, I hear them <laughs> everywhere anyway. <laughs> All right. That's number one. Number two. I did not know this. Spotify. Oh, I have Spotify in South Africa as well. Best thing ever. It's headquartered yeah, but, in Sweden. Yeah. It came from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Swedish design. Okay. If you're familiar with Ikea. You already Love have a good Ikea. idea of famous Swedish design. I do miss Ikea when I'm in South Africa because they don't have an Ikea. Gotcha. And Swedish design, like, there's nothing, like, oh, people are going to gonna hate me because, <laughs> like, my friends who have, who like, their homes in South Africa and whatever, they're very lovely. 
but like Swedish design is just something else. It's perfect. It's, yeah. You know how much furniture I have in the tiny home that's from Ikea? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. fold out tables for space and like, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant engineering. It is. Sponsored by Sweden. They, they can work on their directions a little bit. Their yeah. instructional pamphlets. No, 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 no. You just need to grow up. Like, I don't know. The other it. day, we bought something that we needed to assemble ourselves, not from Ikea, surprisingly. And my boyfriend was like, are you going to be okay doing this? Like, or I'll come and help you or whatever. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm born, I'm Swedish. I'm grown up with Ikea. I know exactly how to do this. It's like the c- cartoon, like dust thing. And you're done in 20 <laughs> seconds. Like, <laughs> done. Uh, yeah, I, I, everyone out there knows this when you get something from Ikea and you're like, I'm going to tackle this and you get three quarters of the way done and you're like, fuck, <laughs> like I did this backwards. Like this one thing's backwards. Now I have to do the whole thing, like undo the whole thing and do it the right way. Like there's, there's always one panel or whatnot that the instructions, there's one tab that you just didn't see or you miss. Or it's like that a was, closet or something where you like, you literally have to assemble it standing up, but you start assembling it like lying down and then you have to like flip it up and then it yeah. doesn't fit. Yes. Like that's the worst. <laughs> yes. yes. I built a giant dresser in the tiny home with Haley. And I was like, this thing's not going to fit. It's not going to fit. And it fit. Mm. It was well huge. done. Well done. So hats off to the Swedes. All right. Number five, pop music. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah. I don't I'm know. on the same uh, list of Aaron. That doesn't Aaron. mean the Nordic Giants impact on pop music stops there. Turn on the radio in the United States or the UK and you'll probably be listening to a song written or produced in Sweden. Sweden is the world's third largest exporter of music after the UK and US. In 2012, half of the top songs on the Billboard Hot 100. Yes, because there's a Swedish producer who makes producer all the hits right now. He's, his name What's is like his Max, name? Max Martin or something, I think. Max Martin. That's yeah. it. Mm. That's the guy. Mm. Yeah. He's made like every hit ever. Amazing. Yeah. All right, number six, Swedish meatballs. I do Ooh. miss that. Yeah, yeah. I do. Roxette, the band. Sweden is a pretty big exporter of music. Famous for bands, Roxette is of one Roxette. of those. I, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. They. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why we, we haven't heard of them too much because <laughs> they're not. They're not that great. No offense, Roxette. No, they could. They could. I just, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Volvo and Saab. Oh, Volvo. I'm not a big Saab fan, fan, but I am a huge Volvo fan. Yeah, like, those weird looking trucks. The, yeah, weird. Yeah, Volvos. No, but like the Volvo, like the the SUVs, like the the XC60, yeah. and like they oh, nice. they're amazing. And they like, oh, my my dad has had Volvos since I can remember, and they like just so clever. They have all these like small details that are just so cool. Like there's an app that you can connect to your 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 car and you can turn on the heater from your app like mm. how awesome is that that's very cool and a that. very safe automobile reliable yeah very and very safe in accidents so it's always ranked one of the top uh number nine h&m yeah but that's in south africa as well but the h&m okay. in sweden is better though but at the same time i'm also starting to like struggle with h&m because i know they're very very bad for the environment and like mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. Uh, number 10, the Royals. Sweden is famous for being a monarchy and for Didn't its royal this. family. The current king of Sweden is Carl the 16th, Gustav? Yes. I had to do Roman numerals right there. That's been a while. Wow. <laughs> I love uh, I love our royal family. They're awesome, especially oh, our king. He's like, he's he's an icon. <sighs> like, he's he's quite funny. Like, they're quite a, 
funny royal family. They're not like, and they're not like posh like the English royal family is. They're more like down to earth and quite like, you know, with the people. And like, if you bump into them in Stockholm, they might say hi to you. And like, they, they're quite cool. I like our royal family. I did not know it was a monarchy. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I, I love that. I want that soundbite with your accent saying, I love our king. <laughs> <laughs> it was like straight from Game of Thrones. <laughs> I love our king. I take nice. that as a compliment. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, all right. That was number 10. There's a, I guess there's a bonus one. What are PewDiePie? PewDiePie. The PewDiePie. YouTuber guy. Oh, PewDiePie. <laughs> Aaron, there's like PewDiePie. 20 of these. I thought it was going to be a like a, a whoopie pie, like a cake. You sound uh, so old right now. I'm sorry. You do but... sound old. That is like the most popular YouTuber ever. Yeah. PewDiePie? PewDiePie. Exactly. Oh, wow. Ooh, Northern Lights. I have actually, I've only seen them like twice in my life because you don't really get them in Stockholm. Um, but 2015 was one of those years when they were like, crazy, like really good Northern Lights. And we saw them in Stockholm, but it was literally just like a little thing over there and like mm. a little spot there but it was cool to see but i still haven't seen like the whole sky kind of thing mm. i need to i need to go up north to see that and finally the ice hotels which i'm just looking at some pictures that's kind of cool it's kind of cool but i've only i've only been to the ice hotel in summer so it wasn't there so that was mm. a fail all right so of that list what's your favorite thing oh wow and um, you have to pick one or snow. Add snow to the list. Yeah, snow's on the list. I would, but I, I would almost say Swedish design. There's something mm. that's like, and it just kind of covers the, like a lot of different things. Swedish design is is and Swedish is that style. A, is that a general term or a Swedish design a company? Like that's no, a no it's a general general it's a term. General yeah. term, just a yeah. Swedish way of interior design design. Yeah, I would say Scandinavian, but apparently yeah. Sweden is famous for it. So I don't mm. know. I remember when I was in Sweden, the hotels I stayed in, I was like, what. What planet am I on? This is weird. This room, everything's different. <laughs> That's so Interesting. funny. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. All right. I wanted to do that fun little thing. Yeah, Thank that was you fun. for obliging. Nice. We learned a little bit about Sweden. I love uh, my king. I love my king. Uh, Carolina, yeah. another question. We started with the podcast that you just started. Um, we started oh, yeah. our episode talking about the podcast you just started. Called Wildest Kruger Stories. Let's get back to that. Um, what's the show about? Would people listening to this be interested in it? Um, how many episodes have you done? How has it been going? What's been fun? What's been difficult about it? Yeah, I think um, definitely people listening to this would be interested. It's it's not as focused on photography as you guys are, uh, but we definitely have a bit of photography in there. I think it's very focused on like... Uh, obviously Kruger, but <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's called Wildest Kruger Stories, but also like Africa and like African wildlife and nature and conservation and those kind of things. We, we've only done about like six or seven episodes now. Um, so, but it's still, I feel like that's quite a lot. So I'm quite proud that of that. Is. Did um, you know that most episode, most podcasts quit or finish after seven episodes? <gasps> oh, really? So now we need to make sure we get over this. Bus. That's the average exit mm-hmm. rate. Seven and done. So oh, wow. if you keep going, we definitely be, will because we have more go. episodes. Um, man, definitely. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of like we've spoken uh, in the first few episodes. Now we've spoken a bit about how to recognize. We had one episode talking about how to recognize 
uh, different like individuals as in like cats or predators we were focusing quite a lot on, on predators um like leopards for example to the eye they can look all the same but how do you see the difference between a male and female and how do you see mm. the difference between this individual and this individual and they actually have spot patterns that are um like almost like fingerprints they like only this individual will have that and so on you can recognize them from those kind of things and and how that is important for research and so on so we talk about those kind of things and then we also talk about like funny stories with guests and um stuff that we've experienced in the lodge industry because there's a lot of crazy things that happen in the lodge industry um and like crazy stories with wildlife encounters and you know um like general like africa wildlife nature conservation a bit of photography that's kind of what what the show is about cool what's the best part about kruger why should people go there oh i don't know for me kruger is like it's just a very special place to my heart um i think it also has so many different dimensions so you can go to like i think it's quite similar to yellowstone from what i've understood i've never been to yellowstone but from what i've heard from people who've been to both and like you can go on your own self-drive and you can, you know, you take your car and you drive in and you go around yourself. Um, and that's really, really cool. And for me, I absolutely love that freedom of, of like me and Craig, we go and we drive ourselves and we just go around and then we camp, you can camp inside the park and so on. And, and that's really awesome. And you can just sit and wait at a place if you want to, if you just want to wait for this animal to cross the road or whatever it is. Um, we can just take your time. Um, but then some people don't like that because they feel like the self-drive area is there's tar roads and it's not as like wild and so on. There's a lot of cars sometimes and so on. Uh, but then you can go to like the private areas that are open, like they're all open to Kruger, um, but they're privately owned land. So then it's much more like wild and it feels like you are in the middle of nowhere and you, uh, drive on dirt roads with like four by four cars and so on and but then you have to have guides and so on um so i think there's so many different dimensions and for me kruger has just become a very special place to my heart and it's uh being in kruger on the self-drive is like basically going on a awesome road trip where you just don't know what you can see around the next corner like you never know what will happen and yeah uh, that's really awesome yeah <laughs> now in terms of like Retreats. Say, say, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. All right. So Seth and I always talk about East Coast wildlife versus West Coast wildlife. And just like, I mean, I've, I've been out there and it's, it's just constant, you know, there's, there's animals on every turn uh, and things that are unique to us that we don't necessarily see. We don't see grizzly bears out here. We don't have uh, very many elk, um, just things that are just constant. So, uh, out there, like if I came there, it's day one and I go like, I, oh my God, to see a leopard or a lion would be an absolute dream. Is that like happening? Is that a hundred percent happening? Or is it like, uh, this might happen? Well, leopard is definitely more difficult than lion. Um, mm -hmm. Leopards are elusive. Like they, they, and they solitary, they difficult to find. They, you know, they tricky animals. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, you guys know it all depends on the day. Yeah. Like I've, we've awesome. had five leopard sightings in one day, but then you can go a week and you don't see one, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. depends. I would say lions, if you spend, I would say like, if you spend more than like two days in Kruger, you, you should see lions, but it also depends on the area and the time of the year. And you, you can never promise anything. 
but mm-hmm. you can see like all the big five in one day. Like it's, it's possible. But when I think also, as, as you say, like there's animals around every corner, that is definitely the case in Kruger. Like you will see animals. It just maybe mm-hmm. won't be the big cats or like you will kind of, you can almost guarantee elephants cause they everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and like buffalo also pretty common. Um, but, and then you have like all these antelopes and you have zebra and wildebeest and like all those kind of animals that we, we call general game. Uh, mm-hmm. And you see them almost around every corner. Also kind of, again, again, depends on where in the park you are, but, uh, but yeah, you're guaranteed to see animals, but then um, you can never guarantee that you will see the big right. five, for example. What are, what the, are big the big five? five? Can you list them? Yeah. Oh. Oh, the I big mean. five, they uh, leopard, lion, uh, elephant, buffalo, and rhino. Rhino. Mm. And that one is unfortunately one that is, is used to be quite common to see, mm. but is not anymore, mm. which is very sad. Yes. We got to end on a more positive note than we do. population we do. decline. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we just got everyone We're got quiet. Here like, oh my god! <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Fuck. Humans, fuck. <laughs> just be a good public service announcement. Just a reminder: we all are listening. Be a good person. Be kind yes. to your wildlife. Be kind to your earth. Do what you can. Um, so back east, another just difference is: I mean, when I'm doing wildlife, my 600. 150 to 600 is on my camera at all times because I'm not getting close to anything. Out west, I found I was taking that off a lot and putting on a 70 to 200 uh, just because elk were right near the car, right near the road. Uh, and I'm curious there, like what's what's the lens that is on your camera 80% of the time, 70% of the time? So, well, the lens that is on my camera almost 24-7 now is my 300 2.8 because it's a 2.8 and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Nikon, Canon, Sony? Nikon. Oh, Nikon. Nikon. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Surprised you even listened to the show after. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Finally, we two, we two Nikons. One for the good guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Which Nikon are you sick? Yeah, I've got an 800, a D800. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's quite an old model. Uh, I got mm-hmm. it secondhand, uh, but I absolutely love it. The only thing is that it, because it is old, it's kind of slow. It doesn't have a very fast shutter and those kind of things. So uh, I do. I would love an upgrade. I got to borrow the 850 from Nikon when my 800 was being fixed and absolutely fell in love. And since then, yeah. I've been upset with my 800, which isn't a great thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. They yeah. do it on purpose. But to get back uh, to your no, question about the uh, the lens and how close you get to wildlife, uh, I think it's, it's such a good question because it does depend on where in the park you are. But in the self-drive area, the animals are so used to the cars. Uh, so you can get, su- they can get super, super close. So like you say, with like a 150 to 600, I recommend people not to have that in Kruger because it is so frustrating when something gets right next mm-hmm. to the car and you can't take a photo of it because it's too close. But at the same time, in Kruger, in the self-drive area, you're not allowed to off-road, which you are allowed to do in the private areas because then it's so much more controlled and so on. Um, so sometimes animals, especially like leopards, will be in like a tree like far away from the road and you won't be able to get a photo unless you have something like a 600. So it's it's kind of a... Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, you can get very, very close because the animals are so chilled with the cars, but sometimes you also, they might be far away and you won't get a photo otherwise. But I would probably, 
I prefer having a like the 300 on. And if it's too far away, I'm like, okay, cool, it's too far away, I can't go and get a photo. Rather than mm-hmm. having like a 600 on and it's too it's too close and I can't get a photo because right. that's annoying. A two body argument, you know. We yeah. just need multiple cameras. Hundred percent. Yeah. Need me, maybe, I need me two R fives. Maybe three. Or maybe two R9, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Not oh, one happen. day. One day. Not gonna happen. When I'll, I win when I win the lottery, then yeah. yeah. No, I'll get it if if I ever shoot an icon, I'll get a tattoo of the Nikon symbol on me. <laughs> Okay. Have you even Deal. tried Nikon? Like you, you, you like you give it's us more so fun much to make fun of. But have you even tried it? Probably at some point. I've had. Yeah. I've actually used. I used Aaron's actually. You must have. So point. I guess I need the tattoo. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I tattoo. used Aaron's and I was like, "What is this? That's great. <laughs> what you, is you this?" Loved it. No. All right, Carolina. Thank you very much for your time. Read her book. Listen to her podcast consume her photos. Thanks for joining us today and, and offering your insight into the world of wildlife photography, guiding Sweden. No, oh, thank you guys. Lots it was so much things. fun finally making this happen because it's for sure. been yeah. like three months since we spoke about it. But yeah, so much fun meeting you guys on video, whatever you call it. Yeah. Can you do, can you do us one favor and close with saying, uh, I love the royal family and I love, <laughs> I love my king. <laughs> Please, with okay, enthusiasm. Okay. You ready? ready? We're ready. I love the royal family and I love our king. <laughs> I want, can I do like a little more? That was, you were just like reading it. Like, I want you to be in the fields with a sword. <laughs> I love our king. Like that. Ready? Okay, 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 okay. All right. Wait, just the yeah. royal family? Or, wait, what? <laughs> you could just do, if you do it with enthusiasm, you can do, I love my king, but okay, like. Okay. You're in the field with swords and you've just won the battle for your king. <laughs> Cut. Go. Exit. Hurry. I love our king. All right. All there right. we go. That's that good. There we go. Get the claps nice. here and get the claps nice. going. <laughs> yes. Now we can Very get the good. official Sweden account to share this podcast. All right. <laughs> Until next time, you two. It was fun talking with you. Thank awesome. you. Have a great That's day, good. guys. Bye.